The second lesson and sermon text is from Paul's first letter to the Christians in Corinth, chapter 11, verses 23 to 26. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the meal, he also took the cup, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The word of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. When was the last time you had a meal that you wished would never end? Meals that fit that description don't come around very often, and when they do, they usually have at least three qualities that are a part of them. Good food, good company, and good surroundings. The food doesn't necessarily have to be exotic or exquisite, but it should at least be good, tasty. The people you're eating with don't need to be astronauts or movie stars, but they should at least be people that to you personally are important and interesting. And for the surroundings, you maybe don't need violins and chandeliers and all that, but it should at least be comfortable and appealing. And you put all three of those things together, you have the ingredients of a meal that you wish would just last and last. I think of a lunch I had once on a rooftop restaurant overlooking Nanjing Street, which is like Shanghai's version of Times Square. And the food was not exactly cuisine, because we weren't rich, but it was a really tasty Shanghainese dish that for once was not spicy enough to make you see through time. The weather was perfect, the two people I was eating with were university students from Beijing and Christchurch, two of the kindest, most interesting people I had ever met. And I remember thinking when I got up from that meal, that is about as perfect a meal as you're ever going to have. And when I was thinking through this introduction, it made me kind of sad to know that I'll never be able to go back there to eat that good food with those wonderful people in that fascinating place. Now, the Lord gave the Israelites a meal that they would want to last and last. It was called the Passover. And the Israelites celebrated it in the springtime. They gathered together with family and neighbors. They ate tasty food and they drank good wine. It was the kind of meal that you would want to last and last. And the Lord knew that the Israelites would want it to last. So he made it last. He told them, this day shall be a memorial for you, and you are to celebrate it as a festival to the Lord. Throughout your generations, you must celebrate it as a permanent regulation. So the Lord commanded the Israelites to celebrate this Passover every single spring. But it's the kind of command that you think, even if the Lord didn't demand it, they might have wanted to do it anyway. Because not only was there good food and good wine and good company, but it was what the Passover remembered, what it commemorated. The very first Passover, all the way back in Egypt when the Israelites were the slaves of the Egyptians, they celebrated the Passover for the first time. And on that night, they took the blood of their lambs and smeared it on their doorposts. And that night when the angel 
came through Egypt to execute the plague of the firstborn to strike down every firstborn male in Egypt, human and animal, that angel of death passed over the homes of the Israelites, and they were spared. And in the chaos and the mourning that followed the plague of the firstborn, the Israelites were able to simply stand up and walk right out of Egypt free. So, on the very first Passover, back in Egypt, the blood of the Lamb saved the Israelites from death and from slavery. And for 1,500 years, every year from that very first Passover, the Israelites went back to it and celebrated it again and again. So it was that Passover meal that Jesus was celebrating in the upper room with his disciples the night before he died. And as he did, Jesus gave his disciples another meal, an even better meal. See, that Passover meal that Jesus and his disciples were celebrating, it looked backward and it looked forward. It looked back to that very first Passover way back in Egypt. But the Passover also looked forward with striking parallel imagery to the sacrifice that the Lamb of God would one day make to take away the sins of the world. And on that night, in the upper room, Jesus' cross, where he is going to make that sacrifice, is now in clear focus. The very next day, the Lamb of God will go to that cross and sacrifice himself to take away the sins of the world. And everyone who trusts in the power of Jesus' sacrifice is covered by the blood of the Lamb of God. We are free from our slavery to sin and our slavery to the devil. And everyone who trusts in the power of that sacrifice is covered by the blood of the Lamb of God. So eternal death passes over us. But on that night, in the upper room, the Passover celebration is fading away. Because that great sacrifice of the Lamb of God that I looked forward to had now arrived. So as Jesus celebrates the Passover with his disciples, he replaces it with a new meal. An even better meal. And just like the Passover that it replaced, the Lord's Supper is a meal that looks backward and it also looks forward. Jesus' meal takes us back in remembrance to what he did for us on Calvary. Now in our minds, we can sort through all kinds of different remembrances. Some are pleasant and happy. Others are disturbing, maybe even traumatic. Some of our remembrances are very sharp and focused. Others, especially as we age, they get foggy and they start to fade away. When Jesus takes us back to Calvary in remembrance of his sacrifice, he does it in the most striking and personal way possible. Because he doesn't just give us an image or a picture of what he did for us on Calvary. He gives us the blood that he sacrificed and the body that he sacrificed for the forgiveness of our sins. That is Jesus' own truth. It is in accord with the clear and straightforward words that Jesus spoke to his disciples that night in the upper room. We do not try to we are not called to explain it scientifically. Jesus only calls his people to trust his word as the Son of God. And he says, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This cup is the New Testament in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The body that he gave to take our sins away 
he gives us with the bread that we eat. And the blood he shed to seal God's new covenant of full and free forgiveness, that blood he gives us with the wine that we drink. So we do not remember the sacrifice of Calvary the way that we typically use the word remembrance. We actually receive the forgiveness and the peace with God that Jesus earned there together with the bread and wine as we receive his body and blood. And every time we do, our faith in his sacrifice grows stronger and stronger. But Jesus' gift of his supper not only looks back to Calvary in faith, it is also a meal that looks forward. As often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. As we receive Jesus' body and blood in the sacrifice, we also remember that his body and blood rose. It came back to life on Easter morning, and Jesus returned to the heavenly kingdom. And he is going to come back and take us there. And once he does, he is going to give us yet another meal. In that kingdom of heaven, we will die through eternity at the wedding supper of the Lamb. Jesus Christ, the risen and victorious Lamb, will be the eternal groom. And we and all believers in Jesus, the Holy Christian Church, we will be the eternal bride. We are the bride that Jesus presents to himself, perfect through faith in him. A bride without stain or wrinkle or blemish or defect or anything else like that. And Jesus is the perfect groom who laid down his life for his bride and took it back up again. And so we will dine at that wedding supper of the Lamb in heaven, and that will be a meal that you will definitely never want to end. And it won't. So the Lord's Supper is also a meal. The Holy Spirit pulls us forward in faith and gives us a preview of the joys of heaven. And that makes Jesus' meal one that truly does last forever. It also makes it a meal that Jesus' people will be happy and will be eager to receive because not only does Jesus suffer and take us back in faith to stand and wonder what he did in Calvary, not only does it take us forward to the wedding supper of heaven, but it is a meal with good food, good company, and good surroundings. As for the food of the Lord's Supper, I suppose you could argue that two of the things we receive in the Lord's Supper are quite ordinary. Those little wafers come in boxes of hundreds for just a couple dollars. Manischewitz wine is definitely nothing to write home about. But the other two things that we receive in the Lord's Supper, Jesus' body and blood, that is the very best food in the universe because that is what Jesus uses to feed our saving faith until we reach the eternal of heaven. The food of the Lord's Supper is good. So is the company. St. Paul is writing in the plural when he says, as often as you, plural, eat this bread and drink this cup, you, plural, proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So when you commune, you are, of course, in the company of your Savior, Jesus Christ. That is very good company. But it gets better because you also get to commune with your brothers and sisters, your Christian family, in this congregation. As we commune, we stand shoulder to shoulder and we 
company of your Savior Jesus, and you are in the company of your Christian family. Like any other family, we might not always like each other, but we do love each other. When you commune, you get to be with Jesus and with each other. You will never eat and drink in better company than that. But the company we keep when we commune expands much farther than that. Because when we receive Jesus' body and blood, we also stand in faith with the entire holy Christian church, all believers in Jesus, the ones who are still alive here in this world, and the ones who live in the kingdom of heaven. And that company of the holy Christian church is huge and fascinating. The holy Christian church includes men and women, Koreans, Algerians, Russians, people who lived in countries that you could no longer find on a map. The Holy Christian Church includes generals and bricklayers and kings and peasants and empresses and chambermaids and people with multiple doctrines and people who never set foot in a schoolhouse. It is huge and amazingly diverse. And not only is the Christian Church huge and diverse, there are a few things Every single member of it has in common. Every single person in that church is a sinner who needs Jesus, and every single one is a heart that the Holy Spirit has turned to Jesus for forgiveness. Now that is amazing company to be in when we can be uncountable and fascinating. And then there's the surrounding. We sure do have a pretty sanctuary here where we get to commune, don't we? We do. But remember that when you commune, the Spirit also takes you back to Calvary, and you get to see what Jesus did for you there, and he also takes you forward to the wedding supper of the Lamb. So when you commune, you get to be here, and you get to be on Calvary, and you get to be in heaven at the same time. You will never eat and drink better surroundings than that. And soon enough, we are going to reach that final destination of the wedding supper of the Lamb. So, it does make me sad that I will never be able to go back to Nanjing Street and eat that tasty food with Yolanda and Philip. But they are also Christians, so I am going to get to eat with them again. And with Jesus, and with you, all at the same time. And it's going to be food that will be better than anything that we can imagine, and surroundings that will be fascinating beyond what we could ever conceive. Jesus gives us this wonderful meal to take us back in faith and to take us forward in faith to that eternal feast in heaven. What a meal our Savior Jesus has given us. What food, what company, and what surroundings. We thank Jesus for giving us the very best meal and for making it last. Amen.